everyone. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and we got a great episode today. In studio, we have a great musician, uh, songwriter, session player, all-around great guy, multi-instrumentalist. Welcome to the show, Carl Allwire. Carl, welcome. Hey, thanks, Rick. Glad to be here. You know, I'm not even going to pretend that we haven't known each other for 30-plus years, so we'll get that out of the way right now. We've played together in a band. We'll talk about that at some point. But right now, I just want to start right in. I want to go back to the beginning. Just get a little history about you. You know, whenever I do a show like this... How predictable. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I actually learn things about people I know well through asking them these questions that I've never asked them before. And, you know, way back when, when you were a kid, you grew up in Shelton, Connecticut. I don't know if you had a record collection or what your first instrument was and what what made you decide to learn or did you have any heroes or people that you looked up to you were trying to emulate, wanted to be like? What was it like for you as a kid in Shelton, Connecticut growing up, musically speaking? Well, that's a good question. Um, I remember probably as I got old enough to know what music was and start checking out what was out there, I think my first collection was actually cassettes back in those days in the 80s. You had either records or cassettes, which are useless now and obsolete. But yep. but I remember I had like the typical boombox in my bedroom. And uh, I remember I had Eliminator by ZZ Top. <laughs> I had Escape by Journey. I had Moving Pictures by Rush. And, uh, you know, a bunch of other stuff that I don't, don't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, big pile of cassettes or, you know, I had the little drawers with them all in there organized. Yeah. But... Uh, but those were like some of my earliest uh, musical things that I heard, which not knowing what was what back then obviously rubbed off and put me in certain directions. How so. old were you when you decided to learn an instrument for the first time? I was probably about 13. I started on bass, and that was because of Moving Pictures, the Rush record that I just mentioned, or cassette ah, for that matter. Big Getty Lee fan that you are. Yeah, well, it's funny because in the 80s, you know, a lot of the pop music on the radio was very, like, you know, some of it was good and a lot of it was not good, but it was very, maybe more one-dimensional than when you start listening to, like, progressive rock or things that were buried a little deeper that, you know, to me was brand new at the time. So hearing a bass that wasn't just playing one note, but playing like a real, you know, like, I won't say like a real instrument, but you know what I mean, like a yeah, a more uh, interesting part, I guess, was going on, and a lot of the music was more interesting. Right. Well, we're both about the same age, you know, so I I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. I had cassettes, I had records. It was the it was the '80s. Yeah. I I had Journey Escape, you know. I had Moving Pictures. I had I had that stuff too, and it, it made it. A big impression on me and that, then I discovered Elvis Costello and I thought well yeah. n- not everything has to sound pretty to that, be good that's right you know we're the same age so we kind of went to college around the same time and that's when we met yeah and by that time you had been playing I guess for quite a while had you been in any bands in high school um, in high school I was in a couple of sort of thrown together bands that never really did anything just a couple friends that played it wasn't really until I got truthfully into freshman year at college that it was the, some of the first bands that I was really consistently playing with and actually going out and playing. Yeah, I remember that very well um, because, you know, my first memory of you, <laughs> you were probably 18 years old, yep. and I was walking by your room in college, and you were playing the bass, and you were playing along with Rush Records. Nice. And I thought, wow, wow I've never s- saw anybody do that. I saw 
people jamming along to the radio, maybe something like that. But this was kind of technical as far as I was concerned. I never saw anybody trying to, you know, play along with a Getty Lee bass line. I thought this guy has got something uh, not everyone else can do this. You know, you always had almost a, a technical approach as though you, you were schooled, but you weren't at the time. You weren't really schooled in music yet. Um, well, I had taken bass lessons when mm -hmm. I started. I had a very good teacher who actually pointed me in the right direction. Um, you're right, I was still developing in, in a lot of ways and studied more seriously, like, even later on than when we met, obviously. And as we all know, we keep learning our whole lives. Yeah. It's a never-ending process. But uh, but I was very lucky to have this first teacher. And he I remember his name was Gary. I can't remember his last name. And he really, like, taught me how to sight read. He taught me how to understand music theory, not just learning songs, but why they were what they were. And So you were more schooled than I realized. You know, uh, this is a case in point where these are things I don't know about that period of time just before I met you. I know you were in a campus band, though. Uh, when I first met you and I saw you, you play in bass, you were in a band, I think, what, what was the name of that band? White, White Lightning. White, White Lightning, <laughs> that's right. And then White Lightning became uh, Rough Diamonds. Yes. And then finally you guys settled on Band News. Yep, that's when uh, John and Dan, Don Coghill, Dan D'Elia came into the picture. That's right, that's and right. it became, you know, through, through, through the four of us and as well as our own three-piece that we were doing to try to play those Rush tunes and everything else. Well, you guys were like a great campus band. You kept winning Battle of the Bands, and I would go see you guys win, and I would be so jealous. <laughs> How can I be in a band like that? I, that that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And it was shortly after that we, we kind of embarked on some kind of weird adventure that lasted a long time yeah. and played every night somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and and it, was, it, was, it was my upbringing, musically speaking, really. Well, all of us, you know, we were, you know, when you say I was schooled, it was really still at a primitive, more, you know, level back then. Yeah. But uh, the seed was planted, I guess, is the way to look at it. And from the first band, like White Lightning, which... If you remember, we were playing hair metal and wearing spandex. <laughs> How can I forget? There's a picture we, we somewhere. We should throw that in there, I guess, <laughs> before it evolved into the cooler versions of these bands that we're mentioning now. Yeah, I wish I could get that picture. There I, is a picture somewhere. There, it's somehow lost, and I didn't lose it on purpose, I promise. Oh. But I would love to see it now. But there are similar pictures that of at least our hairstyles and everything else. Yeah. Including well, our first record that you and I did, which I actually dug out the other day and found. Well, and now the weather. Yep. Yeah, that. Believe it or not, this year, uh, I think in October, it becomes 25 years old. That album. Right. Uh, I mean, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but we we spent so much time promoting that that album, and going out and playing just night after night after night. Back at that time. Just jumping back for a second, back to college. You had so many different nicknames. <laughs> you started with Ghost. Everyone called you Ghost or The Ghost. Right. And people would ask me, why do they call him Ghost? And I didn't know. I thought, well, he is a little pale. It could be a pigmentation thing. But somebody said it was the way you appear and disappear at will. You know? Well, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to go with that version, but I, it's probably the pale part Okay. really the reason why. Yeah, but. I always wanted to know. And that's on the record, too. It is? Carl Ghost Allwire, or The Ghost, or something. If, yeah. You're kidding me. It, it, that's written on the album? Along with a very uh, telling picture on the back of the four of us. That, oh, that, that, oh, speaking oh, of looking back at old pictures, oh, that, that oh. can easily embarrass us all. It's a terrible picture. But we're very young, and I could, you could see that the 25 years that was, you know, that was 1994, I believe, is when. That was 94. October of 94, we, we released that. 
and put a lot of work and effort into it, I remember. Yep. And probably would do it all differently today. Who knows? No, I, well, I actually put it in and listened to it also, I should mention. And uh, How did it hold up? It held up very well. Yeah, yeah. Your voice was great. This writing was great. And everybody, our parts were interesting. It was a fun album. And yeah. I, I get nostalgic when I listen to it now. I, every now and then I'll throw it on, and it's really fun to listen to. You know, you later on, you had another nickname. We, we would call you Captain. <laughs> Captain or The Captain. Right. And I don't know how that developed, uh, but we just started calling you that all the time. Hey, Captain, Captain, come over here. Uh, this Captain this, Captain that. And then for a very short period of time, we had Nick the Knife. Right. Nick the Knife, because I think your middle name is Nicholas, is that right? I think we were just really like uh, entertaining ourselves with these <laughs> nicknames at that point and just coming up with whatever fit if we saw a knife. Or... I always wanted a cool nickname. I mean, well, you... it's, there's still time. There's still time. I mean, I'm Rick Z, but that, I feel like that's my name, you know. Right. It's not just a nickname. Now that we're older, our, our nicknames will be like, you know, Carl Flabby, you know. <laughs> Hair in the ears. Hair in the ears, all wire. <laughs> right. That's like an Indian name, I think, right? Right, it's, right. It's, exactly. It's like, you know, spits when he eats. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, when we were, we digress. This is going to happen a lot, I can okay. tell. Yeah, it's okay. And that's fine. We just roll with it. But back in the Rick Z Band days, that was the name of the band, the Rick Z Band, and, you know, right around that time, I noticed, I used to call, you lived in Shelton still yep. for a while, and I would call, and your mom would answer, and I would say, you know, I'm looking for Carl. I had some dates I booked or something like that. Right. And she said, he's up in his room again practicing. <laughs> and it was like a daily thing, hours and hours a day for like two years, I remember, and you like emerged a whole different musician at that point. And you were taking these heavy duty jazz lessons, I think, with this guy, right. Sal Salvador. Well, that's, that's exactly what was happening. And uh, it was about a year and a half before I, and then I actually had moved up here, which is why I had stopped with him. But it was a very intensive couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I had just gotten out of college and was living at home for about a year before I, you know, year, or the year and a half before I moved up here. And, uh, you know, I just kind of immersed myself in it and thought if I'm going to do this, I should really learn as best I can all the skills. And, you know, he was he was expensive at the time, and, I, you know, I, I would pr try to practice at least a couple hours a day and work on my reading and theory and what, whatever, you know, I was supposed to be doing, so... Well, he was a great musician, kind of a legend in his own right. Passed away, I guess, about 20 years ago or so. Yep. Well, they but, gave him a little mention in Guitar Player and all that when he when he passed. And uh, But he played with Tony Bennett and Stan Kenton Orchestra, and he was in the pit uh, Radio Kenton, City right. Music Hall. And uh, he had a lot of really uh, prestigious, he was you know, a, one of the older old school guys. You know, he, he was one of the old school guys and a great musician. So let's move past the Rixie Band. Okay. You know, it was around... I don't know, the, the, it seemed to me the, the late 90s when you were just really starting to branch out and do things outside of the Rixie band, mm -hmm. I, I think you were getting these extraordinary jobs from people like the Coasters. You, you actually oh, yeah. did a few shows with the Coasters, right? I did one show on New Year's Eve in Baltimore where they would hire you just to basically, I think their regular bass player lived around here. I don't even remember who it was, but he would farm out gigs if he couldn't do them. And uh, But yeah, it was one show, New Year's Eve, and they just gave me the music to learn and the charts or whatever to bring. And uh, I went down there, and I rode with a drummer who I can't remember his name. He was from Donnie, uh, I should remember. But anyway, he drove us down in his van, and uh, there they were in their red jackets, and <laughs> we were off. So it was a great experience. It sounds like one. Did you play with the Young Rascals also? I did not. I had an opportunity to, but I had something booked. 
already that I couldn't oh. get out of, and I don't remember what it was, but it was something where I thought, well, you know, I have to stand by my commitments here. I can't just bail because, but, you know, you never know in hindsight. I guess that was still right. the right idea. So When you played with the coasters, did you have to learn uh, Riot and Cell Block 9? <laughs> I don't remember oh, that one. Oh, man, that would have been cool. But we did Poison Ivy, Yakety Yak, Charlie <laughs> Brown, all those, you know. And it's, all, all the big hits. Yeah, and, and, and you know, they're all the guys in it were basically replacement guys. You know, the other originals have been gone for, I think, and there might have been one original guy, but it's, at that point, it's like now, like when you see The Temptations, it's a different, you know, it's a corporate name, basically. At this point in your career, you played with so many people, and I want to get to a lot of names before we do that, I'd love it if you could play something for our listeners. Uh, it would be a real treat. We'll play some other music uh, in a while of yours, but if you could just do something live with your guitar, I, uh, we would just love it. All right. Well, I'll do an instrumental. I, you know, I, we haven't gotten to it yet, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff that I've recorded is basically acoustic instrumental or acoustic instrumental based. I have a whole first record that's just that, and a lot of it was used that I licensed for you know commercials and websites, background music. So that's some of the stuff that I still record and do now, and I'll do something of that. Actually, the song I'll do is called Light of Day. Light of Day. And that's a, uh, and the reason it's called that is because I had written it a while ago, and I played it, I think, at one of my open mics, and nobody seemed to care. And then about six months later, a woman whose son I used to teach guitar said, hey, I was at that open mic when you played that instrumental, and I'd love it if you'd record it for my son's wedding. Wow. For his first dance. And I was like, well, I guess... I guess it didn't suck so much after all. So <laughs> I never, and I'd put the song away, thinking it was eh, it's okay. And then now it's seen the light of day, so that's became the name of it. Well, let's hear it. I, I'm excited to listen. Okay, cool. All right, this is Carl Allwire on the Rick Z Show. <laughs>
Beautiful song. That was just great. I remember the very first time I saw you play guitar. I thought you only played bass. This is back in college. And I thought, hey, he's got a guitar. I said, you play guitar too? And you played a little something on it. And I thought, oh man, already I could tell you had quite a prowess on guitar as well as bass. And that just opened a whole new world. You showed me like a four track recording you made of something. And I was That's right. I was blown away by it. Just, you know what it was? It was certain trill or certain uh, hammer on that you did that showed a little sophistication that was certainly lacking in my playing at the time and now. Oh, stop <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it was just great. And it leads me to think, is it guitar for you first, or is it bass for you first? I always saw you as a bass player first, uh, and, and because that's what you played in the Rick Z band, but what is it for you, guitar or bass? Uh, it's both, I think, now. I mean, it started on bass. That was certainly my first probably three years before I even touched a guitar, or maybe less than that, but around that, somewhere in the two or three years. And I just was interested in it, and I bought one. And even though I was, at the time, still taking bass lessons, I was kind of trying to figure out the guitar and the extra two strings on it. You're just as comfortable on guitar as bass, though. Now. Yes. Now I am. I had to get caught up back then. And, you know, you're like I said before, you're always still learning every day till you, till you die. But Absolutely. But I love both. And I some people, it's funny because some people that I play with, I'm playing bass with all the time. They don't even know that I play, you know, if I'm not good friends with them. or So when they see it the other way around, they're surprised too. But it's, I just fell into both and love both. And, you know, eventually our band broke up like a lot of bands do. The 12 years that we were together, that was like an eternity for musicians to be yeah. together 12 years is a real long time but we all needed to pursue we're also strong-headed and have visions of our own music it's just uh, natural that we would have to follow our own paths eventually and you certainly did all over the place you, you followed a lot of paths after the rick z band broke up and you were doing your own thing you just fell in with so many different bands and then later were a gun for hire for so many people i mean you must be on a hundred albums or more by now i mean you're on at least 50 of my recordings probably more than that yeah, there's other guys out there that can say the same. Sure, you've become legitimately a session player and one of the best ones in this area. And I still hire you Thanks. for everything. You know. Yeah, that's very flattering. And you know, it's been a long road. The sessions now are more far and few with the way the music industry and people record things. But but yeah, it's something that just came from networking and being out there all the time. If people ever ask my advice, not that I'm any expert about anything, but I say it's you know, to get into any of that or to be successful to find other musicians or other bands you just have to be out there you have to be out there doing it all the time and you certainly found them uh, i think the first band you were in correct me if i'm wrong it, it could have been another one where you were actually sure. a permanent member was uh john platania's band is that right that's correct John uh, is a great musician, great guitar player, uh, played with Van Morrison and Don McLean and yep. John Prine and tons of people. Rick Z. Rick Z, that's <laughs> right. But you were the, the bass player in his band and, and also Bruce Gary, the great Bruce Gary from the yep. Knack. That was fun, absolutely. Uh, that must have been. That, uh, was, it was, uh, that was among many experiences, one of the highlights for me where the hair stands up when you hear John playing the domino riff on the same strat that he used for that recording. Yeah. The 62, I think it was, that he still plays. Yeah, that's right. He still plays it. And then you got Bruce Gary over there, and he's, God rest his soul, he passed on. I think he had diabetes, but... Uh, Great drummer. Great drummer, part of a classic band that 
is will live on forever with the knack and the knack. Uh, my Sharona. And you know, he'll bust that beat out every once in a while and you think of the same thing. Like, wow, there's the guy who played it and that's why it sounds just like it. <laughs> so very uh just very special moments just to have those experiences. Well you had uh your share of special moments. There were many other bands that you you played with. Uh Frank Carrillo uh yep. leaps to mind. Still do. I mean you've done so many recordings with him. What is it about his music? There's so there's so many mm-hmm. people out there that are talented and really have something special special that are just mm-hmm. you know undiscovered and and he's he's had his fair share of success but sure you know he's not a household name how come no well i mean he was always on the fringe of it he he before well before i knew him in the 80s he had a couple records on atlantic that he was signed to for a while you know had mild success with that and even before then he was in a band called doc holiday which was members of Peter Frampton's band. He recorded in Olympic Studios back then. He, he was always on the fringe, but he never quite got through to, ma- I guess, the mainstream of where you would, like you say, a household name. Yeah. But we found each other through a friend, Bert Carey, who was a, also a bass player. And he had a gig one time that he was playing guitar, so he got me on bass. And Frank was also playing guitar somewhere in Pleasant Valley or somewhere down that way. But anyway, we immediately saw chemistry. And about six months later, I got called to do a session at Millbrook Sound, my friend Paul Orfino's studio, which still exists at his house. Somewhat downsized, but uh, I hadn't seen Frank since the gig. And we were like, hey, you know, got connected again. And he was producing the session that I was doing. And I kind of rolled from there. And we always had a home there in Millbrook. And we would always record. And, And to me, Frank is like one of the great writers that of our generation, even if I wasn't didn't know him or was part of the band, I would, would be a fan. So They're out there. They, they have people that are out there, you know, doing it yeah. that are great, great artists, and they yep. never fully get the recognition that they deserve. Yep. Present company not excluded. Likewise. So there's other bands, too. So many things that you've done. I'm thinking of Albert Cummings now, yep. a great Texas blues player, right? Yep. And you played bass in his band for a long time. You've done many festivals all over. I think you guys opened for B.B. King at one point. Um, that was with Morale Coriel, who's another great artist I got to work with. He's from around here. You know him well also. Absolutely. And just to backtrack with him, we opened for B.B. King about six times. And wow. Yeah, how many times? It was six. It was actually it was six. I know exactly how much it was. But. When you open for BB King, you know exactly, exactly how many times you've done it. Right. I don't have to reminisce too hard. But it was those were those were those were some of the first times I ever played like in an arena or like a big like a really big theater like the Shea Theater in Buffalo or the Mid Hudson Civic Center, the Bloom County Arena in. Um, Binghamton. So what you, you were used to playing in uh, clubs and bars and places uh, locally like that, mm-hmm. kind of schlepping away and, yep. and, and uh, doing the grind. What was it like kind of graduating to a bigger club scene and doing like an arena? What, what was that like the first time you did it? It was very scary in a way because you felt the pressure that you're on this stage, it's very naked, and you've you got a lot be of good. people. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like in a club where if you make a glitch and you can just say, ah, it's... It is what it is. To me, it's like everything you play is more under a microscope, I guess, is the way to look at it. And yeah. But at the same time, when you, the, I think the first one was the Shea Theater, where we actually did the first of those kind of shows. And it was us, Bobby Blue Bland, and B.B. King. So that was already plenty of pressure right there not to suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, and you've played Infinity Hall as well, yeah? Yep, a few times with Frank Carrillo and Albert Cummings, who you mentioned, who's actually from Massachusetts, but is a Texas, you know, it's part of the whole Stevie Ray post-blues uh, rock guys. That, you That's know, his sound. There. Yep. Yep. I'm also thinking of this guy, uh, Richie Scarlett. You played with him as well, right? Yes. I got to go to Japan twice with him, and that was quite an experience. You tell me about that. He was, well, he recently, until very recently, he's been a part of Ace Freely from Kiss, the guitar player who's no longer in Kiss. And That's right. Uh, his solo band, which was Fraley's Common at first, and then uh, I forget what other versions. But anyway, he was kind of Ace's right-hand man, and though Richie is, does his own, a lot of his own records and is known for his own... He's sort of from the glam rock scene, I guess you could say, of the of the 70s. And the New York Dolls, he's into like a lot of that. And he's stuck to those th- his guns, I have to say. When music and times evolved, he's always been that rock guy. So You know, it's interesting. You've played with so many guitar players as their bass player. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Frank, you're the bass player in, yep. in Frank's band. You're, uh, Albert. Uh, Albert. And, Richie. And Richie, uh, bass player. But you are the lead guitar player of your own band. Yes. The Real Men. Yes, you can call it that, or Carl Allier and The Real Men. It's There's variations, but... Uh, and you need that. You need to be able to go out and play guitar. Yes, not, that absolutely. That was, that was like an outlet for me to do whatever I wanted and play with the people that I enjoy playing with and not have any pressure of having to fill someone else's aspirations, I guess, musically. Well, you get stellar reviews all the time for being a guitar player in this area. People just love to hear you play, and you're a great Thanks. guitar player. And speaking of, I'd like to hear you play something maybe off of one of your albums. In fact, we'll just play the album. Okay. This is uh, something new that I've been working on. I have a bunch of new songs I'm trying to finish and uh, put out at some point. But this song's called Lonesome Highway. Uh, it's a blues rock song. I play all the instruments on it. Great. Let's listen. One more chance to 
great, Carl. And if you want to hear more of Carl, come back next week as he has agreed to come back on the show and continue the conversation. We sure hope you come back. You've been listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. We'll see you next week.